Good morning, and welcome to worship on this, the ninth Sunday after Pentecost. My name is Nicholas Gonzalez, and I'm the associate pastor here at St. Andrew, and I am so thankful that you are joining us in worship this morning, and I pray a blessing on your worship today. As we begin, we do so in the name of our triune God, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let us together confess our sins before God, seeking His mercy and forgiveness. Let us pray. Faithful God, have mercy on us. We confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We turn from Your loving embrace and go our own ways. We have not trusted in Your abundant provision and have placed our own needs before those of our neighbors. Make us humble Cast away our sins and turn us again to life in you through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. When we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and cleanses us from all of our sins and all of our unrighteousness. Therefore, as a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our scripture lesson for today comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, the 14th chapter. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away, so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of all the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children.
I don't know about you, but I love eating snacks. I'm actually a little hungry, so let's see what's in my lunchbox. Today I have five crackers and some peanut butter. This would be the perfect snack for me, but what if I wanted to share? I can maybe share this with a few friends, but what about 5,000 other people? Would I have enough food for everyone? Probably not. This reminds me of today's Bible story. One day, big crowds of people were following Jesus. The people were hungry, and Jesus had compassion on them. He wanted to feed them, but the disciples only had five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus took the food, blessed it, and gave thanks. When he gave the food back to his disciples, there was enough for all 5,000 people. Jesus fed the entire crowd, and there were even 12 baskets of food left over. This amazing story reminds us that with Jesus, anything is possible. It reminds us that God will always provide for us and give us even more than we need. It also reminds us that if we give what little we have to God, He can take it, bless it, and do even more with it than we could ever imagine. Let's fold our hands, bow our heads, and say a prayer. Dear God, thank you for your compassion and your love for us. Help us to remember that you will always provide for us and give us even more than we need. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, there's an organization within the Lutheran Church that is based down in Austin, Texas, that exists to help congregations either launch new ministries or to replicate others that need to be multiplied. And the name of the organization is 5-2, which comes from today's passage in which Jesus takes five loaves and two fish, and he multiplies them for a feast that's greater than any of his followers could have ever possibly imagined. Uh, one day, a couple of years ago, the founder of 5-2 uh, spent an afternoon with me here, right here at St. Andrew talking about what we are doing and also about their work in response to Jesus' miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, which actually was a very big deal even among the miracles of Jesus because it's the only one other than the resurrection itself that's recorded in all four of the Gospels, each of them giving their own version of the story, and all of them complementing each other in a variety of wonderful ways. And uh, even though I have to confess that Matthew's version of the story is not my favorite of the four for reasons that I'll disclose a little bit later, nevertheless, it does speak to us powerfully with some very important things, especially in times like we're living in right now. So to set this all up a little bit, uh, Jesus, according to Matthew, is moving and making his way to a deserted place. In other words, far away from Jerusalem and Judea, even far away from the hustle and bustle of Galilee, uh, into the area that we know today as the Golan Heights, east of the Jordan River, east of the Sea of Galilee. And he's doing this, it is said, because he has heard the horrific news of the brutal execution of his forerunner, his advance man, John the Baptist, and is realizing that the religious authorities are now out to get him. Uh, in spite of the fact, and, and actually because of the fact that his popularity is growing immensely and he is attracting literally thousands of people who now want to be close to his ministry and to his message. And so he is moving 
to the east of all of that action. In fact, one historian suggests that Jesus is going into this deserted area because it happens to be outside the jurisdiction of King Herod. Not that he was afraid of Herod necessarily. He just wanted to stay on his father's clock in terms of his mission. But Matthew tells us that the crowd pursued him on foot as he sailed across the Sea of Galilee on a boat toward the fishing village of Bethsaida. Now there's another theory that this crowd was so large because they were also on their way back down to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover because Matthew gives us a clue when he says that the people sat in the grass which would have made it springtime and we also know that pilgrims from Galilee would often travel down to Jerusalem on the east side of the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River, and then they'd cross back over into Judea and make their way up to Jerusalem so that they would not have to pass through uh, the unholy territory known as Samaria with its impure people. But that, of course, is another sermon. The point is that here are these people, thousands of them, who are trying to do the right thing. They're trying to live under the religious law, and yet they're still looking for something more. They're hungry for something better in their relationship with God, and they're finding that something in the person of Jesus. And so when Jesus gets to the shore, we know from Luke and not from Matthew that he greets the crowd and he welcomes them. We know from Luke and not from Matthew's version of the story that this is near the village of Bethsaida. What we know from Matthew's version of the story is that Jesus has compassion on them. And the Greek New Testament word for compassion has to do with a feeling that exists all the way into the pit of your stomach. So this is how Jesus felt about these people. And so with all of that as background, the feeding of the multitudes gets underway. And Jesus preaches, he speaks to this crowd. And the day winds down and the evening closes in and apparently the disciples are getting a little bit anxious about the time because they suggest that Jesus bring this to a close, say the benediction, and send the people who do not have food that they brought with them into the towns and the villages to buy food because by this time they're hungry not just spiritually but also physically and we're talking about a large group of people. Well Jesus responds to the disciples in a way that they could not have remotely imagined. When he looks at them and he says to them, the crowds don't have to go away. You feed them. You give them something to eat. You can just imagine them looking at Jesus somewhat blankly and saying, as you heard, well, we don't have enough food for all of these people. Actually, in Mark's version of the story, the pushback is a great deal stronger when they say to Jesus, uh, do you think we have 200 denarii to buy bread for all of these people? All we have are five loaves and two fish. Five now, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, I want to stop right there and jump out of the story for just a moment and invite you to imagine yourself living 
in a world where you are surrounded by hundreds or thousands of people who are trying to do the right thing, trying to live a good life, and yet they're hungry for something more, for something better, for something that will ultimately satisfy them. And then imagine Jesus saying to you, because you're one of his followers, you give them something to eat. You feed them, because that's actually what he is saying to you and to me in Matthew chapter 14, not to mention the other three Gospels. And then imagine yourself pushing back at Jesus, like those disciples did, and saying to him, I don't have enough food. I don't have what it takes. I don't have that kind of money to do that. And imagine that having had that conversation with Jesus, because that is the conversation that we are having with Jesus by virtue of the Holy Scripture. Let's jump back into the passage where Jesus responds to the pushback of his disciples, not by scolding them or saying, you know, what did I tell you? but rather by looking at them and saying, you have five loaves and two fish, that's it? Then bring me what you have. Bring me what you have. And they do. And as you heard, Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish, what they have to bring, and he blesses it, he makes it holy, and then what happens is really very fascinating, and it's a detail that's uh, maybe a little bit easy to miss. He gives the food not to the crowd. He gives it to the disciples, and the disciples give it to the crowd so that they're fed and they're filled, not just physically, but also spiritually, by the power and the word of Jesus who feeds us with his grace and provision and he does it through people who follow him so that at the end of the day, they even have leftovers, which is always a good thing. Now, a lot of people I imagine probably, you know, read this passage from one of those four gospels and uh, sit there and say to themselves, you know, how exactly did he do that? Because after all, this isn't uh, just a restorative miracle of Jesus, like one of his healings. This is a creative miracle. And it was corroborated by literally thousands of people in those days and obviously since those days who apparently figured that the God who created the entire universe can probably pull off a world-class catering event in a way that we can't comprehend because he's God and we aren't. Others have suggested that on that day, there were a lot of people in that crowd who did have food with them on their journey. And that that food, if shared, would have been more than enough to feed everybody in that crowd. And that what happened is that when the compassionate word of Jesus had its effect on the multitudes, and they shared the food that they had. That's how everybody got fed. That's how the miracle really happened. Well, I certainly hope that you and I believe that the power of Jesus extends 
far, far beyond his ability to inspire the world's first and greatest potluck dinner. But it is true in Matthew chapter 14 that when Jesus calls his followers to do something and we think that we don't have enough to do it, but we bring him what we have, he can take it, he can bless it, he can work with us, and he can multiply it in a way that is beyond our wildest dreams. We can receive the blessings that he gives with his power, and we can take them, and we can feed the world. I said to you a little bit earlier uh, that of the four versions of the feeding of the multitudes in the four Gospels, uh, Matthew's version of the story, frankly, is not my favorite, and I hope it's not a sin to say that, but my favorite one actually does from, come from the Gospel of John for a couple of reasons, uh, one of which is that John includes in his report the story of an unnamed little boy. And that unnamed child, part of the crowd, is the one who has the five loaves and the two fish. And he gives what he has for the sake of a far greater feast. The other reason I like John's version of the story is that John actually does name the disciple who finds that little boy and his gift and offering and involves him in the work of Christ. And the name of that disciple who happens to be from the fishing village of Bethsaida, is Andrew, for whom I have developed a certain level of fondness over the course of the last 23 years because he happens to be the namesake of this church, which is to say that any church, any community of followers of Jesus who bear the name of Andrew are apparently trying to send a message to this world that there is nobody who cannot be part of the work of Jesus Christ. When we trust in his power, in his word, and we bring him what we have and watch what he can do to bless us so that in his name we can feed and bless the world. And what I can say to you is that a pastoral witness to the work of Christ, which I have been for a while now, I have seen this miracle repeated with variations on the theme over and over again. Even in our own community of faith, where years ago, one individual with an idea to offer some of his time and resources to deliver food to places where people needed it has been multiplied over the years so that food is delivered from the Lutheran Church of St. Andrew to places where it is needed literally seven days a week. I have seen one conversation, one idea become viral until a new beginning took place on a new church campus with a number of new ministries involving literally thousands of people who had a part in the process one way or another. I've seen how one conversation resulted in outreach to the Hispanic-speaking, Asian-American communities, the Amharic-speaking communities, which are now online having Bible studies uh, almost every single day of the week. Even though we are in the midst of this virus-induced diaspora right now, 
our ministries are taking on new forms and they are going forward in new and creative ways. In fact, our congregation has just received our first pandemic family of new members. In other words, people who met us online before they ever met us in person as that online presence goes all around the world. And we're hearing from people all around the world and all through our nation. Which is to say that even as we head into this desert-like place, what we have is the presence of Jesus, who is still showing up. He is with us in his spirit. He's taken what we have, and he's multiplying it like five and two for the sake of the hope and the joy of a world that is still hungry for something more, something better, something that will satisfy them. And it comes from God and it is forever. And so I pray that God's grace will begin another story of the next miracle as you and I bring Jesus what we have and we watch what he can do. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.
Together, church, we confess our common Christian faith with generation upon generation found in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Together, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let us pray for the church, the world, and for all of creation, trusting in God to hear us when we call. We pray. O Lord, our creator, by your holy prophet, you taught your ancient people to seek the welfare of the cities in which they lived. We commend our neighborhoods to your care, that they might be kept free from social strife and decay. Give us strength of purpose and concern for our neighbors, that we may create a community of justice and peace where your will may be done. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Comfort with the grace of your Holy Spirit all who are in sorrow or need, sickness or adversity. Watch over them with and care for them as they cling to you for strength. Have mercy on those to whom death draws near and bring consolation to those in sorrow or mourning. And to all, grant a measure of your love, taking them into your tender care. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, your power is made perfect in our weakness. Your mercy and love are unending, and your grace is sufficient for us always. Grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, our hearts and minds are transformed to be more like Jesus who not only heals our flesh, but restores our soul. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, in a world that rejects your word and truth, give us courage so that we may, in our own age and our own time, stand firm in the faith. We ask that you would guide our thoughts and conversations so that we may share your word to those who have not yet heard it, and that they may come to know life and salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Gracious God, you are the provider of every good thing in our lives. You are the source of all goodness and the fountain of all joy. In every season, help us to remember your provision in every earthly need. Give us wisdom to seek all that we need and may we give generously to those who are in need, just as you give to us. And may we always give thanks for the blessings that you provide in our daily lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, into your hands we commit all for who and for what we pray. Trusting in you as together, we pray the family prayer of the church. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Receive this blessing. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks so much for joining us in worship this morning. I have a couple of quick announcements for you as we close. I just wanted to remind you that earlier this past week, uh, we had our online uh, summer concert series. Normally something that happens in person, but given the circumstances, we were able to make it happen. And so uh, we're thankful for that. And we have a recording of it. So if you missed it earlier this week, or if you want to just see it again, check out the recording. You can find it at mystandrew.org on our website, where you can also find all the other information about the concert, specifically uh, who we were supporting. As you know, this is a benefit concert, and our theme this year was Neighbors Helping Neighbors. This year we're supporting the Colesville Council of Community Congregations. Try saying that five times fast. Uh, but as you probably know it, uh, C4, and we're supporting C4 this year, so enjoy some great music put on by some great musicians, and be, if you're able, support the cause. Uh, C4 is in need, and we're thankful that they are a ministry partner of ours, and we can continue to support them. Also, I want to remind you that during this time, we are still able to receive offerings and uh, givings, and so we are so thankful for your generous donations. Uh, and if you are able please continue to do so at mystandrew.org slash give. Uh, you can give. That is our online giving page. If you have any questions or information, feel free to contact the office about that. And as a reminder, ministry continues to happen. So check our website out, mystandrew.org. Follow us on Facebook and on YouTube, and you will continue to be updated with all the wonderful things that God is doing here at St. Andrew. Blessings on your week.